Welcome to Going Out Your Door, the podcast to get you out your door and on the road. Today is a very special episode because we have a guest to talk to us all about working holiday visas. Before we jump into my conversation with Katie about her experience doing a working holiday visa in Australia, I just wanted to give you a little bit of an introduction. I've never done one, so Katie's the real expert here. But working holiday visas are available in many countries around the world, although it is dependent on your nationality. So for example, if you're an American, you can do a working holiday visa in Australia, New Zealand, South Korea, Ireland, and Singapore. And there are age limits to those. Usually it's around 30. I think some of them are up to 32. If you are from the UK, you can do working holiday visas in Argentina, Australia, Austria, Belgium, Canada, the Czech Republic, Denmark, France, Hong Kong, Ireland, Israel, Italy, Japan, New Zealand, Norway, Poland, South Korea, Singapore, Slovakia, Spain, and Sweden. So you have more options than Americans do. And these were all updated in 2021, which is kind of interesting because most of these options are not available now during the pandemic. I mean, I didn't actually look into this, but I would assume that no country is offering a working holiday visa right now. Certainly, the opportunities are going to be much more limited. So in non-pandemic times, a working holiday visa allows you to go to this country legally with a visa, usually for about a year. Some of them offer two-year options, again, depending on the country you're going to and your own nationality. But you have this visa, you can stay there for a year, and you are legally allowed to work, which is awesome because most tourist visas or most of the easiest ways to travel to countries don't allow you to work. So the working holiday visa allows you to have any job that you want that you can get in that country. It's cool because you're not limited to like specific jobs for foreigners or for people on these visas, although you might find that it's easier to get certain jobs as a foreigner, as a traveler. And some of them do have stipulations, like in Australia, if you are from a country that allows you to stay for two years, uh, for part of that time, you do have to do a certain job. You have to do farm work for three months, I think, of that time. So there are some regulations on the jobs you can have. But in general, as we're going to hear from Katie, she was able to get or she was able to do any job that she was able to get in Australia. She wasn't limited in any way. So that is your quick introduction to the working holiday visa. I really, really wanted to talk about it on this podcast because it's such an attractive opportunity, such an easy way to travel, really, and make money. And as we're going to hear from Katie in Australia, she was able to make you know, a decent amount of money given that you're also traveling and in a foreign country and all of that. So it's a great way to experience another culture. And it's also a way to, at the very least, fund your travels. But you could also save money as well, which is a really exciting opportunity, travel and saving money. I love it. So here is my conversation with Katie all about her experience doing the working holiday visa in Australia. So, Katie, welcome. Thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you for having me on. For anyone who, I mean, doesn't know, probably everyone, um, Katie and I grew up in the same area in Maine. We went to high school together. Um, So we have that kind of shared history, and then we both went our separate ways throughout the world. I know 
you were in Australia for a bit, and that's mainly what I want to talk to you about, but you were also in Spain. Am I remembering that right? Yeah. Yeah, this was all, like, pretty much right after I graduated college, which was now, like, almost 10 years ago. <laughs> so I was just telling you that now I'm, like, a regular boring person with, like, a normal life. But this was so fun looking back at yeah. reminding myself that I actually did fun stuff. And looking back at some of it was... It was kind of shocking. Like, I did this. I stayed where? Like, I took what job? It was kind of, like, just something as a 30-year-old I never, ever would do. But yeah. it was cool. Like, I'm glad I did it when I was 22. and didn't know that that was, like, probably a bad idea or a dumb thing to do. But it's like, well, it, it worked out. It, so it, was fine. it was fun. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's how I feel, too, when I look back at some of the random. Like, if you just pull something out from your past and you're like, wait, I was in that place doing that thing, it is wild it blows my mind um yeah but that is like that's why I do this podcast is so that people can have those experiences because that's the most common uh comment I get is like oh I wish I had done that when I was young and I had that chance so we want yeah. everyone to have those experiences for sure exactly so I wanted to talk to you about the idea of a working holiday visa because that exists in several countries around the world. Australia is a super common place to do this and that's where you did the working holiday visa. Um, and if anyone is listening who listened to my episode with Rachel from Trail of the Wanderlust, she did it as well. We touched on it briefly, um, but that wasn't the main focus of her episode. So I really wanted to dig into what that experience was like with you. Um, and I, I didn't ask you this ahead of time. I might, I might, uh, you know, pose some questions to you that you weren't prepared for. But if you could just tell us, like, basically what a working holiday visa is, I would appreciate it. Yeah. From my understanding, mm -hmm. you know, eight years ago, <laughs> um, with most visas, I think, in other countries, you're not allowed to work. You're not allowed to be paid money and be taxed and, you know, mm -hmm. be a part of another country's economy in that way. Um, at least full time. Maybe there's like, I know with student visas, you can work maybe like 10 or 20 hours a week or something, but a working holiday visa, you can work as many hours as you want. Um, you pay tax to that country. In Australia, they pay into a retirement fund. You're kind of seen as a you know, real person <laughs> with a real job, not just a traveler okay. um, spending your money in their country. But so it's almost like a, a temporary, <laughs> you're like a temporary resident there for a year for as long as this visa allows. Yeah. In a sense. Yeah. Okay. In different countries, at least in Australia, um, you were allowed to stay um, different lengths depending on what country you are. I listened mm -hmm. to Rachel's episode and she touched on it too. Um, Americans are only allowed to stay one year because the United States doesn't offer a similar visa to Australian travelers and workers. So Yeah, yeah I talked in a, a previous episode about how visas are very um, based in like reciprocity. Like countries want to offer what is offered to exactly. them in response. Yeah. yeah. So it's um, nice they even let us come at all. That's what I think. That. Yeah, exactly. We do. Nothing um, for them. Yeah, and I also just, we don't need to get into this, but I want to touch on the fact that we are in the pandemic still. Um, I imagine this is 100% shut down because so many borders are closed entirely, let right. alone for like holidays and things like that. So, yeah. um, you know, it's not possible right at this moment, but hopefully in the future, fingers crossed, uh, we can get back into these kind of things again. So, 
we realize yeah. this is not the most opportune time to be touching on it, but... I know. A, Make your plans, though. <laughs> yeah, it's a very popular, very attractive opportunity in normal times. So can you tell us a little bit about how you found out about this opportunity? Like, what made you decide to pursue it? Yeah. Um, you mentioned before that I was in Spain the year prior, um, and I was there as an au pair or a nanny, really, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. Um and there were some visa issues with that. It, I wasn't going through like a nanny or an yeah. au pair agency. I think when you do that, they figure all this stuff out for you, <laughs> which would have been helpful. But I was there for a year and I I could only be there for like three months at mm-hmm. a time on a tourist visa or something. So the family I was working for luckily was quite well connected. Um, so I don't know. They pulled a lot of strings to get me some sort of like volunteer, like charity visa. <laughs> like I was there doing some sort of charity uh-huh. for like the Red Cross <laughs> equivalent. I don't know. Um, but it was a huge nightmare. Like I had to fly back to the States. I had to go to the Boston consulate multiple times. Mm. Just, it was horrible. Um, so after my year in Spain, I, I really liked living abroad. I wanted to keep traveling, but I was like, I cannot deal with this visa nightmare again. Everywhere I looked into, yeah. there was nothing easy. And, mm-hmm. But then I found Australia um, and learned about the working holiday. That seemed perfect. It was exactly what I wanted to do. Australia sounded fine. Um, I really would have gone anywhere. Um, I had a girlfriend who I roped into coming with me. Um, and she was down for Australia. We applied. I mean, the application process was almost seemed like a joke. Like I, I remember you telling me social, that. Yeah. Yeah. It was maybe just in comparison to the whole Spain thing, but it probably took 20 minutes online to do. I entered the wrong social security number. There was like a period of years where I had the middle two numbers of my social security number mixed up. Um, didn't matter. I paid the $400 or whatever. And like, 15 minutes later, I got an email saying, congratulations, you got your visa. Wow. I love and that. And that was that. I know. And again, <laughs> this was a long time ago. I'm not sure if it's harder, but... Yeah. I mean, if you, it shouldn't be that hard. Like, it, it, yeah. I don't know. It doesn't seem like there's a reason it would have gotten harder, but you never know. So, so that... From your experience, it was basically like application and a fee and like maybe around $400 yeah. a few years ago. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I feel like they just wanted your money, some basic information, and then you're good to go. Yeah. That's fantastic. could not have been easier. I was stoked. I thought, I'm going to have a great time in this country. (laughs) (laughs) Off to a good start. Yeah. They make it super easy. No red tape. No Uh bureaucracy, right? (laughs) Right. They don't care about my wrong numbers. It's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. That's fantastic. Um, So... I guess just kind of walk us through this. You walk us through this. You arrive in Australia. What happens? Yeah, so like I said, I was traveling with a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, we did some bare bones planning, I would say. Um, our first big question was, where do we want to start? Mm-hmm. Australia is a massive country, um, and we didn't know much about it. But you know, we wanted to go to the Great Barrier Reef. We wanted yeah. to be somewhere coastal. <laughs> we imagined ourselves on the beach. Uh-huh. You know, this is we were seeking out this kind of lifestyle. So we found. Um, the city, I would more call it a town called Cairns. Um, it's spelled like Cairns, C-A-I-R-N-S. Yes. That's funny. I actually yeah. came across that today. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's pronounced kind of funny, but it's in um, Queensland, which is on the East Coast and kind of um, North East Coast. 
Um, and it's most known for being like the town where you stay when you go out on the Great Barrier Reef. Okay. Um, cool. So we get there, um, you know, after 20 plus hours of flying. Um, yeah. We booked a hostel for a couple nights. We weren't quite sure, you know, do we get an apartment or we didn't have any of this planned. Um, Did you have any thoughts? Sorry, I don't know. Did you have any thoughts at that point about whether you wanted to stay in one location the whole time or whether you wanted to bounce around the country? We didn't know. Okay. Um, We got there and the woman behind the front desk at this hostel, um, she was like super pessimistic about (laughs) our whole trip. She was like, there are no jobs here. For backpackers, this town is overrun with backpackers. She said, "You're going to be lucky if you can find a job serving beer in bikinis." Oh my <laughs> gosh! Like, uh, like all our dreams of, you know, we yeah. thought we'd be working on the dive boats out on the reef, you know, yeah. swimming with dolphins every day. We're like, oh okay, <laughs> and yeah. we got and in, checked into our room, like a twelve bed room, mm-hmm. and the window. You looked out the window, and there was like a brick wall, like a foot outside the window like there wasn't even a view we were just like wow (laughs) like we were so shocked instantly um but then we went to sleep the next morning we're starting to feel Mm -hmm. better about our options we meet some people you know it seems like there are jobs to be had (laughs) Um, this woman was just unnecessarily pessimistic so our first surprise was that in Cairns, um, apparently there are too many sea crocodiles. You can't Ooh. actually go on the beach. Hold on. You can't swim there. Sea crocodiles? Yes. Okay. <laughs> oh, are you not familiar with these I'm not. Beasts? I'm not, no. They're a big, big problem. If you want to have nightmares for the rest oh. of your life, just do a little Googling. Like, okay. they routinely eat children out of rivers. There's, like, we saw a statue of the biggest sea crocodile that had ever been caught, and it, it's, like, bigger than my apartment. It's huge. So, at the end, I want to ask you about some, like, Australian stereotypes, you know, see whether they're true, what you have to say about them. But this is my first one. So, the whole, like, big scary beasts in Australia is quite true, quite apt. That one's definitely true. Yeah, okay. And they're aggressive, too. It's not like an American alligator, where I think they're kind of shy. Like, maybe they'll eat a dog every once in a while. A sea crocodile will, like, come after you. If you're laying on the beach, like, you, you can't go on the beach there. That's not accessible. So what they did was they made a lagoon <laughs> in, like, the city center in Cairns. It's basically uh-huh. just, like, a big pool. But they, like, brought in sand and stuff because there really is no other beach access. So that oh was a little gosh. disappointing to me. <laughs> yeah. But the reef, the Great Barrier Reef, is, mm-hmm. like, so far out that I guess it's okay. All right. Um, I don't know. It, I really hate it. <laughs> okay, well, sorry, sorry to derail you there. I could not let that no, one pass by. <laughs> it's okay. No, okay. I said it so casually. I forgot it's actually a horrifying nightmare. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that that was different. Not something I understood. Um. We ended up getting an apartment. Um. In Cairns, it was just like a share house. We paid weekly to live there. Mm-hmm. In hindsight, we we wished that we would have just lived in a hostel, which was mm. not really a familiar concept to me. A hostel was just like somewhere you stay 
for a couple nights or when you're in transit, but a lot of backpackers actually live in the hostel. You, okay. you pay a weekly rate and you don't get like a special room or anything, but mm-hmm. you know, you have your bed, you don't have to move around, mm-hmm. but you know, you're sharing the sleeping space with a lot of people. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. You know, as a 21 year old, that was just fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the rate was pretty good and you're meeting so many people going out partying, usually right in the middle of the city. So, mm-hmm. um, I ended up doing that later, but at the time we thought, well, we have to get an apartment. That's yeah. like what you do. Yeah. But it was not what you do. <laughs> um, huh. so we, we were like a 20 minute walk from the city. Um, okay. we stayed there for a little bit. Um, but then I kind of started job hunting. Um, and I believe Rachel touched on this on her episode, but the website that I relied on for every job was gumtree.com or AU. Mm -hmm. It's basically like the Craigslist equivalent. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was really a common way for backpackers to get jobs. I I think you could even just type in backpackers Mm -hmm. and certain jobs would be advertising for backpacker help. Um... And the job I landed on was a door-knocking job. Yeah, there was a group of, like, five backpackers, and they would drive us around to different neighborhoods, drop us off with a little map, we'd knock on the door. I don't even remember what we were selling. I think it was some sort of rental property thing, trying to get people to buy rental properties. Australia, the population is growing, Mm -hmm. but um, there aren't many housing opportunities Mm because there's so much, like, undeveloped land in the middle, so think it was something i think the government gives you tax credits or something if you buy a home to be yeah. built i don't know i don't even know yeah. the whole point was like <laughs> we don't know much about it we just have to like set an appointment mm-hmm. for some professional to come to your house and talk about it was if that, that professional sorry was that like okay. the first job that you were able to find or did you select it from <laughs> um no i was not selected okay. <laughs> that's for sure but i had i think it was a couple weeks and then I was getting a little antsy and felt yeah. like I should get something. Yeah. Um, but I did it once and it wasn't as hard as I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could arrange an appointment and have the professional person <laughs> come meet with mm-hmm. this family, you got 250 bucks in cash. Oh, cool. So I was like, okay. <laughs> I yeah. think the first day I had like three or something. So I That's was like, great. all right, I guess I'll keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually and they offered to pay for your housing, this job, or you, you oh, could wow. live in the apartment that they got. Mm-hmm. So they were traveling down the East Coast. They would spend like two or three weeks in each town. They were in Cairns for like a month, but at the end of the month, they said, do you want to keep coming with us? Um, and you can keep working and you stay in our, you know, the apartment we have. Um, so I decided to go. Um my friend was still in Cannes. She had got a job on a dive boat. She mm. went without work for like a month. I think I was just mm-hmm. getting too antsy. I wanted to start making money. Yeah. Um, but she waited it out and found something. Um, and so, yeah, I decided to go. Um, I befriended. There were like three or four Swedish guys in this um, door knocking group. Um, so we were like a little group who became friends. Um, and we were in like weird rural suburbs for Mm -hmm. like weeks at a time going down the East coast between Cairns and Brisbane. There's not a whole lot Mm -hmm. going on. (laughs) Um, so we would do that. I did that for like two months, I think. Oh, wow. I read the whole Harry Potter series. (laughs) 
Um, I don't know what else I did because we were only knocking like for five hours a day or so. Yeah. But basically, I wasn't spending any money just on some food, but I think they would pay for a lot of our food too. And mm-hmm. I didn't have housing expenses and I was making cash. So I was just like, I'm going to spend two months doing this and then I'll leave with some cash and I can do something fun. Yeah. Um, and it, it was pretty fun. Australians are so nice. Like, I always say, if you did door knocking in the States, you'd probably get shot or kidnapped or something horrible would happen to you. It would be mm-hmm. a bad experience. But Australians were so nice. They would come invite you in, feed you, show you their snake farm or, like, <laughs> all sorts of weird stuff. But you can't imagine how nice these people were. And they were just like, what's this American girl doing on our doorstep? Like, that in itself was so yeah. weird in these rural areas. They're like, how can I help you? <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, what time works for you? We're going to yeah. have this guy come. <laughs> so it was really good. Whenever I say door knocking, people are like, oh, my God, that's horrible. But I had a blast. I made good money. Um, and I feel like I've never done something harder than that mm-hmm. <laughs> in my career. So got me off to a good start. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it was it was really good. Um, then we kind of ran into the holidays and the door knocking group said we're going to come back in January, but everyone can take off from now until January. Um, so the Swedish guys and I decided to, we rented a van for like a week and went to this island called Fraser Island. Um, we did some touristy things because we had been in the middle of nowhere for so long. (laughs) Um, so we went to Sydney. Oh my God. Sydney is my favorite city in the world. I think I, Oh, it's just, is the perfect mix for me between nature and big city. Mm -hmm. Like even just looking at the map, there's all these little like inlets and coves. There's so much coast in the city, but it's a massive city. It's really walkable. There's a lot of parks and the best beaches I've ever been to in the world are like a 15 minute bus ride from the city center. Yeah. And there's this amazing walk you can do and hit like four just astonishingly beautiful beaches. Yeah. The beaches are all topless. I loved that, too. Oh, interesting. It was just amazing. Yeah. It, yeah. it was just the best place on earth to me. So, so I wanted... There. Yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you, um, we can just jump in right now, is if there were any, like, culture shock, either in a good way or a bad way, um, anything that surprised you or you had to adjust to in Australia? I mean, for, for me, when you said topless beaches, I was like, oh, that would be <laughs> culture shock for me. <laughs> I suppose so. Um, Not as much as you would think. Like, it was... You're right. It was a strange sensation flying, like, almost 20 hours and stepping off the plane and there not being a huge culture shock. Whereas, you know, I flew to Spain and it's like you're in another world there. Yeah. But it felt very similar. I, Mm -hmm. I still tell people this. Like, Australia does feel just like here, but just a little bit better. It's like a noticeable, <laughs> tangible amount better. I like that. It's almost like being on some kind of drug. It's like, yeah. I can s- still live normal life. It's just things are better. Yeah. Life is easier. Like, it's easier to make money. It's easier to have a good life, at least from my perspective and yeah. what I saw there. That's great. Um, America, but better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit, you know, without, like, a lot of the crap that I hate about this country. For sure. Exactly. So, yeah, we were in Sydney for about a month over the holidays, um, Christmas and New Year's. Somehow, one of the Swedish guys linked up with some guy who kept inviting us to really cool parties. Nice. And, like, cool experiences. Yeah, I have, I have no idea who he was or 
how we knew him, but he invited us to this like Christmas Day booze cruise where everyone had to wear white and there was like a, ton, a huge buffet, all you can drink, like right in the Sydney Harbor. It was so cool. Awesome. Um, yeah, we were like the only backpackers there. I don't know. I, yeah, I have no idea what was going on with this, but at the end, we were all, you know, had way too much to drink. We. There was all this food that would have gone to waste, like big, like venue-sized serving things, um, like things of salads and pastas, and we were like hungry backpackers. So we'll like we'll take this with us. <laughs> so there's this. We were like waiting for the bus on the side of the road. We each had these like huge plastic troughs of food, and we were like could barely walk trying to get into the bus. Brought it back to our apartment and ate it for like probably a week. I love it. <laughs> um, I mean, a really cool New Year's celebration, like, in this high-rise that was, like, between the Opera House and the Sea Harbor Bridge, fireworks coming off the bridge. It was the coolest New Year's I've ever had. It was nice. so, so cool. Um, but, yeah, then after that, in the New Year, I started doing the door-knocking again in Sydney. Um, but it seemed harder in Sydney, I think, because it was more of an urban area. Mm-hmm. I think people weren't as interested in talking a to the friendly jaded. American yeah. on their door. <laughs> yeah. That's getting harder. Um, it was fun living there and have someone pay for a nice apartment. But the Swedish boys, they had to do their farm work um, to, get, to get their second year visa. Yeah. You're eligible for the second year visa if you're from most European countries, but you have to do three months of work on a farm because mm-hmm. I guess Australia has a hard time getting farm workers, so they made a bargain with the backpackers and yeah. said, You work on our farm. And they still pay you a lot of the time really good wages, like mm-hmm. $30 an hour for pulling potatoes or oh, something. That's great. <laughs> it would be interesting to talk to somebody I know who um, did that because there were certain farms that were bad where you'd get paid like per vegetable you harvested versus some were hourly and some conditions were terrible I don't mean to glorify it Mm. but there were some that were good conditions I heard Mm -hmm. like banana farms were (laughs) good ones Um, so they had to go do that so I was I kind of lost my little group I was like I think I'll look for a different job Mm -hmm. um so I went to Gumtree (laughs) as I always did um and I really liked the idea of not having to pay for somewhere to live because mm-hmm. I hadn't really yet. Um, so I found a woman on Gumtree who was going back to like care for her ailing mother in China, um, and she needed someone to watch her two kids for like two weeks to a month. I can't remember, um, and I could live there and you know eat their food or mm-hmm. really buy their food. Um, and then I got a part-time job working at a gym, like, at the front desk. Hmm. It was, like, a, a nice gym and doing, like, promotional stuff, basically, like, handing out flyers, like, in the street. Um, so I was doing that for, like, a month. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, I had to make the kids' lunches. That was, like, the hardest thing I had ever done. <laughs> they all had, like, all these food aversions and, like, cleaning the peanut butter out of this, like, little cup every day. Yeah. It was, Gave me super respect for <laughs> people who pack and unpack kids' lunches every day. Wow. And, and like, cooking dinner, providing three meals a day for two kids was a lot for this 21-year-old. Yeah, at 21, um, for sure. Oh, my God. Yeah, and, like, picking them up and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was, I don't know, she put a lot of trust in me, but yeah. it worked out. They were really good kids. And then when she came back, she was like, oh, you should stay. Like... <laughs> Um, so I stayed there for a little longer because, you know, it was somewhere free to live. Yeah. I think I, like, 
I still probably did their lunches or I was helping out in some way. I tried doing, um, oh my God, what's it like? Um, the Greenpeace people. Oh yeah, who the people trying who stand on the street and try to. Yes, yeah. I, can't, I forget what that's called, mm-hmm. but I did that. It was so horrible. One yeah. of the Swedish guys had done it, and it was through like some sort of network. It, it we weren't employed by actual Greenpeace, yeah. mm-hmm. it, so it really left a bad taste in my mouth about mm-hmm. all these kinds of things. I don't mean to disparage them. I'm sure there's some legitimate ones, but yeah. we did like a week training, a week pay training, and mm-hmm. it was like twenty dollars an hour mm-hmm. um, to just like sit in this room and be trained. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we were out on the streets. I was doing it for like three days, and you'd get like a five minute break every two hours or something. Oh, and I got nobody to sign up. Not yeah. a single person. But it, by the end of it, like a week and a half, I, I still made like $1,500. Whoa. So I'm like, and that was the experience that my friend had had too. So it's like, okay, I I was like, where's all this money coming from? I didn't bring any money in, yeah. but I still walked away with a lot. But it was horrible. I, it was the first time I had ever quit a job. And I was, mm. I just that elation when you quit a horrible job like yeah. walking away from putting in your notice or something that was my first time feeling that it's a good feeling <laughs> yeah and I probably forgot to mention but the wages in Australia are really really good hmm. um or at least they were then I would assume they've only gone up actually but um I was never making less than $20 an hour mm-hmm anywhere so even for part-time work like working at the gym part-time that was still kind of enough yeah I wasn't paying for food and accommodation yeah if you can find another thing for sure if you can find a place that will let you live for free or you know live in get your food whatever that's that's really good (laughs) I know so it kind of I don't know I regretted a little bit because it was so easy to make money there Mm -hmm. you could just type in backpacker on gumtree and find even a day job and you can make wow. 200 bucks. Like it kind of, I kind of became addicted to it. Like yeah. how much money can I make on my working holiday? Yeah. And that's we just kind of how I am normally. Again. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but it, it was really, I wasn't expecting that. And I don't mm-hmm. think you would if you're going somewhere to work, but yeah, I still think... had fun too, but mm-hmm. I was working a lot. <laughs> um, but it was so easy. I mean, mm-hmm. I had never had that experience here. Like, I had never made more than like $15 an hour, like doing some odd job. Yeah. And there's also perception that Australia is expensive. Yeah. Um, And I think it probably is if you're a traveler, like if I went now and stayed Mm -hmm. at a hotel and went out to dinner every night, it would be expensive. For sure. Um, You know, if I was just going on a vacation, but Mm -hmm. if you're shopping at the store for food and cooking your own Mm -hmm. meals, it it really wasn't um rent wasn't that expensive so just like day-to-day living um you know you really were able to save money Mm -hmm. because you were making so much more and then let's see after that um I decided to actually take a little holiday nice so I went to New Zealand for two and a half months oh wow um yeah, my friend Emily who is still in Cairns working on the dive (laughs) boat she came she had quit her job she had come to Sydney for two weeks too over the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, but she met us in New Zealand um, with one of the Swedish guys who I was dating at the time, <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, and then this girl, we literally met her in a grocery store. She was from Finland, maybe. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I don't know. We met her. She said she wanted to come along on our trip, so <laughs> she hopped in the van, too. Yeah. yeah. So that was more of, like, my um, vacation part of it. I wasn't mm-hmm. working in New Zealand, but they do have a working yeah. holiday visa. I've heard you get paid less there. Okay. Um, but, hey, even if it was a little less, mm-hmm. <laughs> still making more than you would in the States. Yeah. Um, and I always had that in the back of my mind. You know, I couldn't do another year in Australia, but I was like, oh, I could always go back to New Zealand. So yeah. all throughout my 20s, I always had it in the back of my head. You could always go to New Zealand. You still have time. I know. And we didn't even talk about the age limit, um, which I know oh. does vary for different countries, but generally it's around 30, right? Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, so did you have any other so, jobs once you came back? Yeah. So then I came back. I actually flew to the west coast of Australia. Um, Perth is the biggest city there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I stayed with a friend who I went to summer camp with like 10 years before as a kid. Um, and she was going to school out there and she had met her boyfriend who was Irish. Um, but he was doing something that was really, really common for mostly men in Australia is to work in the mines. Mm. Basically, the whole center of Australia, they do mining. Wow. um, And they pay you a lot of money (laughs) to work on the mines. Mm -hmm. Um, But your schedule, you fly in and fly out. It's called FIFO. So you you could get a crazy roster. Her boyfriend was gone three three weeks out of the month and back one one week from the month. Yeah. So she was like, definitely come live with me. (laughs) I'm lonely the whole time. (laughs) Yeah. I've heard some backpackers getting jobs in the mines, like cleaning toilets, and you get like $35 an hour. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Pros and cons. (laughs) Yeah. In those small towns on the East Coast where I was door knocking, it was all women home with the kids, and their Mm -hmm. husband was a FIFO worker. So it's kind Mm -hmm. of like a blue-collar job, but it's a good job. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you can support your whole family doing that. Yeah. Um, So I stayed with her, and I got a job um, working at Peter Pan's. It's like a travel agency for backpackers, um, but they, I was helping backpackers file their tax returns. This was another, That's so random. I wasn't actually filing tax returns, but I was helping them get the paperwork ready and you have to have like documentation from all the jobs you have, which like mm-hmm. after you hear me talk about every job, I, I had like 10 jobs. It was kind of a nightmare, like helping people track down all that paperwork. Yeah. But yeah, another cool thing about Australia is you're paying taxes to the country, but they give them all back to you. That's the when same you as leave. Taiwan. That is exactly <laughs> really? the same as Taiwan. Every year, yeah, I'd get all my taxes back. It what was a gift. amazing. Yeah. yeah. So when you leave the country, they like send you five thousand dollars. Like, yeah, just, it's like a savings account. That's really. incredible. I didn't and know they that. Had this, yeah, I, and I actually think they did do away with that. I shouldn't have even oh, okay. said that because I remember <laughs> back in two thousand fourteen there was chatter that like they're going to stop check. giving the backpackers. Yeah, I know, or maybe like they might have just reduced it so they don't get all the tax money back. I yeah. don't know. You also had something called superannuation, which was a retirement fund, Hmm. and every job would pay in 10% of your um, wages to your super fund. Mm -hmm. Um, When you left, you got all your super fund money back, too. (laughs) Yeah, so it helped backpackers file for their taxes and their superannuation, Mm -hmm. um, which, yeah, usually ended up being thousands of dollars that once they were back in their home country, they would get. That's incredible. It's just like, yeah, Australia doesn't have to do that, but they did. Yeah, it's like a gift. (laughs) It was a gift. Um, so I was doing that nine to five. 
Um, and I thought, oh, maybe I can work a little bit more. Searched in Gumtree and found a job that was offering $40 an hour. It seemed like some kind of nightclub situation. It was very vague. Um, some kind of, like, party attendant or something. Mm-hmm. Like, 40 dollars an hour. I thought, great, I'm going to check this out. <laughs> Things I wouldn't do at age 30. Yeah. Um, so I go there. These Like, the address... There's no sign on the door. It's in the middle of the city. I had walked by it a million times, but these two, like, big gold doors. Open the doors, and I'm kind of interviewed by a guy who says, you're going to be a karaoke club attendant. Um, and just to, like, show up whenever you want. It could be any night. Mostly weekends are really good. Um, and, like, a dress, looking nice, like you're going to a party. Um, and you'll, like, basically help people party and, like, attend their karaoke room so I was like cool <laughs> yeah we'll do so I come back some Friday night and there's like probably 15 girls like all in little dresses like we're all done up um probably 50 50 backpackers mm-hmm. and locals um and I met a girl her name was Jenny she was from Germany and we were like we just like instantly <laughs> gravitated towards each other mm-hmm. we were both like where are we there was I don't know. It just seemed really sketchy, obviously. Um, so the deal was, so yeah, we became best friends and did this together. If I didn't have her, I probably would have quit mm-hmm. the next day. You can't do something like this by yourself. <laughs> That's true, <laughs> you yeah. just can't. You Moral need support. <laughs> yes. Um, so what would happen is they would line all the girls up. I think we were given numbers, actually. Yeah, it was number 18. Um, and we'd stand in front of, like, the party of people who had come to rent a room Yeah, the karaoke, it's not like American karaoke. Maybe it's like this in Taiwan, too. But you get your own room. Yeah. You can order food and drinks to the room, but it's Mm -hmm. private. You're not, Mm -hmm. it's not like karaoke to bar or something. Um, So the group would come and they would pick out which girls they wanted for their room. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, So you weren't paid unless you were picked. Um, Some guys, you know... I know shady shit must have been happening, mm-hmm. but some guys, you know, they knew which girls they wanted, but we'd all step forward and say, hi, my name's Katie, I'm from America, whatever. And then they pick who they wanted. Um, and it was such an array of experiences. Me and Jenny were often picked together because we were both, like, tall and blonde. It kind of looked the same, so mm-hmm. if they wanted one of, they usually wanted both of us. Um, and sometimes it would be super awkward and horrible it was guys just smoking in the room drinking mm. playing like horrible karaoke it, it was like the voice china like you'd be watching like a singing competition like watching someone sing it wasn't like we try to put on like beyonce or something to, yeah like, actually like have some fun or like start a party but mm-hmm. they would like shut it down and put on like <laughs> something so weird you'd be trying to like have a conversation with them um, oftentimes they didn't speak English, um, and we were told to like try to increase their sales. Basically, yeah. try to suggest that they order some seafood yeah. or the champagne, um, and they would give us tips. Um, so it, it was just kind of anything could happen. Sometimes we'd walk. One time we had so many tips, we were like stuffing them in our high heels, like we were in these little bandage dresses. Like we didn't have pockets. Mm-hmm. We didn't really have lockers like it was not safe to keep anything <laughs> around this place so yeah. we just like stuff it into anywhere it could go wow um 
Yeah, sometimes you'd actually get fun people. Like, there was a group of, like, guys from Turkey, I think, and they were, like, actually partying and having fun. And um, But we didn't, you know, some girls would drink a lot with them, but we thought that mm-hmm. was, I don't know, we knew that could be bad. Some yeah. guys were doing drugs in the room, so we were always... It was just, like, fake partying for mm-hmm. us, kind of. For sure, and It yeah. wasn't really fun. Like, it was never fun. You know, we loved talking about it and, you know, giving each other looks. But it was definitely all for the money. But on a good night, you could make, like, $500. Wow. For doing, like, nothing. Like, yeah. there's no subtext here. Like, I think yeah, some, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes I, weird stuff would go on, for sure. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it was just kind of... A fun thing to do sometimes sometimes we wouldn't even get picked so we just like sit in this little room for like mm. a couple hours then go home yeah um there was a guy who when we were all lined up he would give each girl he didn't pick a hundred dollars oh my so god sometimes after he was there we would just go home <laughs> yeah. we got a hundred dollars or we'd hear that he was there like a day we weren't there and we were like damn it yeah <laughs> Um, wow. So And you didn't have to be there at any certain time. You could just mm-hmm. kind of come whatever night you wanted. Oh, okay. So we did that. Um, then Jenny was also working in a Mexican restaurant, and I decided I was going to work there, too. <laughs> so by this point, I had three jobs. I would work from, like, 9 to 5 at the tax job, and mm-hmm. then I'd go to the restaurant until, like, 10. The restaurant situation was crazy because you didn't get tips, but you were still making, like, $20 hourly. But then it as it got later in the night you made more mm-hmm. so like after nine then you were making 25 dollars. then mm-hmm. after 10 30 an hour or something wow um, and i was just running food i wasn't even taking orders yeah i was basically like a bus boy or something bus girl yeah um it was so easy like yeah. i would just go there for like five hours a couple times a week mm-hmm. and then we would go to the karaoke job yes yeah. <laughs> it was crazy it was like we were working all the time and then we'd always look we were like selling fritters at a farmer's market you know <laughs> the like one-off on, jobs. on some Saturdays yeah. yes the mm-hmm. one-off jobs we were obsessed with the one-off jobs working mm-hmm. at a carnival like yeah weird weird stuff like that you would never guess but it was there was so much work mm-hmm. yeah and we were we were both really into it then we had moved I moved out of my friend's house into a hostel that mm-hmm. was just in downtown because I was just all over the place it was like I didn't want to be coming home to my friend's house at like 5 a.m. after yeah. a karaoke job. Sometimes yeah. it would last that long. Um, so I don't want to cut anything off, but just quickly after these, did you have any other jobs that you want to mention after these things? I actually don't. Okay. That was the end of my list. Now, I wasn't keeping track. Did you ever do like a final tally of just how many jobs you held there? Um... I didn't. Probably like seven or eight, I would guess. That's crazy. But a lot of them were cash. Yeah. Karaoke job, obviously. So, um, you know, I didn't have to do the taxes. You did mention that you were paying taxes. Generally, people are paying taxes on the jobs they have here, but you might find some under the table cash jobs. It was like 50 50 for me. Okay. Um, that's yeah, so cool. There's, there's a lot of options out there. <laughs> but it was That's fun. Awesome. It was yeah. fun to be, like, young and hustling, kind of. When mm-hmm. They were, like, you know, nothing was at stake, it felt like. Yeah, you, were you there, can do you're whatever like, oh, for a short time. making the best of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we Absolutely. did have some fun. And um, 
in Western Australia, we rented a car and went up to see, swim with the whale sharks and oh, cool. did a oh, bunch yeah. of touristy things. Yeah. Yeah. So we did some of that. I could have more, but I was too mm-hmm. busy working <laughs> in the karaoke club. I love but it. No, great. You can't do it all, I guess. Yeah. Well, that kind <laughs> and of brings... I, I can do those things another time. Yeah, know? definitely. Um, that brings me to one of my last questions, which is just like, if you had to sum up any advice or tips for anyone who is interested in doing this, even though we know that, you know, your experience was many years ago, the situation might have changed. Certainly um, the pandemic is affecting it now, but in general, if someone was going to do this, what would you say to them? I would definitely say do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, It's one of the best experiences. Um, It's so amazing because you meet so many people from Mm -hmm. all over the world. A lot of Europeans, it's so commonplace to do a travel year. Okay. Um, Most, I was 22 and I felt like an old person there kind of. Wow. Because most of the Europeans were like 18. They had just graduated high school and it's, it's encouraged to like go out and see the world for a couple Mm -hmm. years before you go to university. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was just so, so cool meeting so many different people from you know, different walks of life. Um, I'm sure there's advantages to doing it when you're older, but I think doing it when you're young is so special too. Um, so yeah. I say do it sooner rather than later, I mm-hmm. think, because life just gets more complicated. Things that don't feel important when you're 21 start to feel important when mm-hmm. you're 27. Like safety, and it, personal safety. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but those unimportant things. Um, yeah. And you'll always... I always find myself using those things as excuses now Mm -hmm. to not do something. But as, you know, a younger person, it was like, that wasn't even a thought. And that's just like such a valuable time. I wish everyone could capitalize on in like a safe way. It's such a unique Um, like opportunity that these countries are giving us. I think it's almost wild that there's no, or it doesn't seem like there's any, you know, catches or tricks or anything. It's just genuinely, you can work, you can make decent money and yeah and my experience like you don't have to have money to travel like I think Mm -hmm. I came to Australia with like two thousand dollars yeah I thought that was a lot of money yeah and I left with like over 10 wow and and I honestly think that kind of set me up for financial security like throughout my 20s I never I always had that as like a cushion yeah I was able to build on that so I I don't know. I credit it to kind of getting ahead financially, honestly, which is crazy. That's not something you would ever think about a year abroad. Yeah, you don't and hear I, that as like a wise uh, life financial decision. Go work in Australia for a year. Right. But I kind of put my life on hold, went to Australia, had some fun and came back with a little nest egg, which mm-hmm. even I didn't think that would happen. Yeah, that's incredible. But yeah, I think there's a misconception that you have to have a lot of money to travel or be in, you know, you still are in a place of privilege. I didn't mm-hmm. have any commitments when yeah. I was in my early 20s. But still, um, if you're in a place where you could do that and, you know, you're just doing that work in America, try mm-hmm. doing it in another country, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we're almost at the end here. I just wanted to throw a few Australian stereotypes or maybe things that I'd heard perceptions that you hear about Australia and just see how you react. You can tell us true, false, this, you know, this exists, this doesn't, um, whatever your experience might have been. So the first one, which we did hear about with Rachel as well, is kangaroos. Are kangaroos as big a thing there as we hear about? I think so. (laughs) Um, I think they're kind of akin to deer 
oh. at least here on the East Coast yeah. in the States. Um, they're definitely in rural areas. They're definitely everywhere. But even in cities, you'll still hear of them popping yeah. around. Um, in in Western Australia, where I was, they were everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that when Jenny and I rented a car to drive to the whale sharks, the car rental place said, um, you know, don't drive after dusk because the oh, kangaroos yeah. are everywhere. Mm-hmm. If you hit one, you're kind of screwed, or oh at least God. the car is. Mm-hmm. They also said there's a knife in the back of the trunk. If you do hit one, you have to kill it because yeah. there's no emergency services anywhere around. Like, you're not going to be able to get it somewhere. And they said if there's a joey in the pouch, you have to kill that too. <laughs> <laughs> I know. They like, showed us the knife. Like, that's yeah, the, the extra incentive to not hit one. Yeah, like to <laughs> know just have to kill a baby kangaroo with a knife. <laughs> I know, but that's like actually something Hertz told us. Yeah. So it must have happened before. Oh my gosh. Also, what an Australian thing to be like, here's a car and a massive knife. Like, we're not worried about you at all. <laughs> I know, we trust you. Yeah. Okay, um, oh, number two, Australian slang slash accents. What was that like? Um, I would say that's pretty accurate to okay. how we have it in movies and our <laughs> mainstream culture. Yeah. You get used to it pretty quickly, and I think okay. when you're around so many travelers, everyone's kind of speaking weird languages mm-hmm. to communicate with each other. Yeah. Um, so we all kind of have Australian slang cool. in common. I love it. Yeah. Um, everybody surfs. Um, probably on the coast. Mm-hmm more so um we went to a place called surfer's paradise and did some surfing there yeah it was the actual name of the town um and yeah in sydney like i imagine there's a lot of people who live in like downtown high-rise apartments who can just drive 10 15 minutes to the beach and surf every day so i think the stereotype is true because you can (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, so this is one that I've heard more recently in several different places that they are really intense about their coffee culture. Did you find that at all? Um, I don't remember Okay. coffee culture being a thing. Okay. I, I think coffee was too highbrow and <laughs> an interest for me at that time. We're not drinking cappuccinos at 21 and on a budget. We were not budget. drinking cappuccinos. <laughs> no, we were not. Um, but I would be interested to learn that if like I said, if I went back now, I would yeah. probably engage a bit more with the coffee yeah. culture. <laughs> so okay. I'll have to make a note. Cool. Um, last one, Vegemite. Vegemite. I think I'm in the minority that I I didn't mind Vegemite. Okay. It's really salty, which I think takes people by surprise because you yeah. think maybe it's like akin to peanut butter or something you might put on toast. But yeah. it's super salty. Um, I actually had an Australian boyfriend at one point, and he, like, served me a piece of toast with Vegemite on it mm-hmm. for breakfast one day. I was like, is this a joke? Like, are you trying to just be, like, a funny little Australian trope? But no, it's it was legit. real. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Um, I love it. No, it wasn't bad. It was salty. It looks really gross, mm-hmm. but I think real Australians eat Vegemite. Well, cool. <laughs> Katie, thank you so much for talking to me. Is there anything else that, like, stands out to you that we didn't touch on yet that you want to mention? I don't think so. Go to Australia, everybody. Yeah. When it's safe, and if you can, yeah. if these rules are still a thing. Yep. Get your vaccine, and when it's safe, go to Australia. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Cool. Well, thank you so much. It's been a blast talking thank you. to you.
I hope you enjoyed hearing all about Katie's time in Australia and what the working holiday visa is like. If you have done it in another country, I would love to hear how that experience compared to Katie's stories about Australia. Was the visa process, the application similar? Was it different? How easy was it to find a job? What kinds of jobs could you find in a different country? I would love to hear all about that because I... I'm 30 now, so I'm just about maxing out of my time to do the working holiday visa. I think, as we heard in my previous conversation with Rachel, you have all the way through your 30th year, if you're an American, to apply for Australia, and then you have a year to enter the country, and then you have a year to use the visa. So I still have some wiggle room, depending on how the pandemic uh, pans out in the next year, the next few months before I turn 31. I will keep you posted on that. Until next time, if you have any of those stories to share or other questions, please send them to goingoutyourdoortravel at gmail.com. Also, as always, follow me on Instagram and Facebook at goingoutyourdoor and on Twitter at goingoutyour. Until next time, this is Going Out Your Door. 